Thanks so much for listening to another podcast episode of Complex Identities. This is your host, Juan Marcos Bejarana Gutierrez. Today, we're going to continue our review of the Clementine homilies. We've been looking at them at the, for the last several episodes, and we've discovered a very unique perspective that this community that in many ways was in the middle of the spectrum between Jews and Christians in late antiquity and how they regarded the Torah how they saw the messianic titles that they ascribed to Jesus of Nazareth, and how they perceived the inclusion of non-Jews or Gentiles into their community or to this movement. And so today we're going to look at a passage from the homilies, which gives us an interesting perspective on the expectation that non-Jews would adhere to what are called the laws of Nidah the laws of menstrual purity, that is to say that a man and his wife should not be intimate during her time uh, of menstruation. And what's interesting, of course, is the application and the expectation that non-Jews who are joining this particular community and movement would adhere to this. And so we find in the homilies, this is 11.28.1, it states, Yet it is necessary to introduce at some time to these things something that is not held in common to humans is rather distinctive of the service of God. I mean keeping pure, not to have intercourse with one's wife when she is in menstruation, for the law of God commands this. And then we skip down a little bit to what would be verse 3, and it says, For keeping pure is truly good, not as if it the purity of the body precedes the cleansing of the heart, but because what is clean follows the good. For even our teacher immediately rebukes some of the Pharisees and scribes among those who are separate and as scribes know the laws better than others because they were purifying only, and then we'll continue, the things seen by humans, but were neglecting the pure things of the heart seen only by God. Therefore, he used this famous saying truly for the hypocrites among them and not for all. For he said to listen to some of them because they were entrusted with the chair of Moses, yet to the hypocrites among them and not for all. For he said to listen to some of them because they were entrusted with the chair of Moses. Now, this is an amazing statement for another reason. As you can see, there is, in fact, an endorsement of the Pharisaic tradition uh, and, of course, later embodied by the rabbis as reflecting something that is authentic. Now, one of the things that we've seen in the previous episodes on the homilies is that the homilies understand or believe that the Torah has been revealed to Israel. There's no surprise there, but that the most important aspect of this has been oral, an oral transmission as at the heart of the theology of the Clementines. This idea that God revealed the Torah to Sinai uh, at Sinai to the people of Israel and that he did it in an oral form. And the oral tradition is extremely important because the written text is deficient without it. The written text has been corrupted and requires the emendation and the correction and elucidation of the oral tradition to understand the written text. And here, of course, we see a major departure from emerging Orthodox Christianity, the idea that the Pharisees and, of course, their successors, the rabbis, have legitimate interpretation that they offer something that is uh, reflective of a genuine tradition, that is, if you will, endorsed by heaven, uh, is, is truly remarkable. So the rabbis and their predecessors, the, the, the Pharisees, 
when they interpret the Torah, they're doing so according to a particular form and uh, approach. And this approach is something that the Clementine homilies recognizes as legitimate. Now, at the same time, it makes clear that there are some individuals among them that would be considered hypocrites. And that seems to be the clear or, or the principal critique that is applied both by the homilies and also as read in the Gospels with respect to Jesus and his relationship to the Pharisees. So that in and of itself is an amazing statement. Now let's go back briefly to the question of the laws of Nida. The laws of Nida, remember, are the laws of the menstruant and the boundaries between a husband and wife at this time. They're considered foundational to Torah observance. And in fact, if you would look at an Orthodox Jewish community today, um, you would see three things. You would see Hilchot Shabbat, the laws of Shabbat, Hilchot Kashrut, the laws of Kashrut, the kosher laws, the dietary laws, and you would see uh, Hilchot uh, Nida, the laws of Nida, the, everything that is related to this, you know, the importance of going to the mikveh after a woman has counted a certain number of days, depending on the particular community. Um, this is, these are the foundations of uh, being uh, Shomer Mitzvot in, in, uh, in the present world as well as in the past. So the idea and the importance that's given to it in the Clementine homilies is quite amazing. Now let's look at another passage here, which also uh, reveals something to us. It says, uh, this is from uh, homilies 851, for the Hebrews believe Moses and do not observe the things spoken through him are not being saved unless they observe the things spoken to them. Because even if their believing Moses has occurred, not of their will, but of God, who said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in the column of a cloud, in order that the people might hear me speaking to you and might believe in you forever. Since the belief in teachers of truth has come from God to both the Hebrews and those called from the nations, while good deeds have been left for each one to do by his individual judgment, the reward is justly given to those who do well. For there would not have been a need for the coming of either Moses or Jesus if they had declared of themselves to understand what is reasonable. Nor does salvation occur through belief in teachers and calling them lords. For this reason, Jesus is hidden from the Hebrews who have taken Moses as a teacher, but Moses is hidden from those who believe in Jesus. For since there is one teaching through both, God accepts the one who has believed one of these. But believing a teacher occurs for the sake of doing the things spoken by God. Since this is so, our Lord himself says, I praise you, Father of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise presbyters and you have revealed them to nursing babies. Thus God himself hid the teacher from those who already knew what to do, but revealed him to those who do not know what to do. Therefore, because of the one who hid, neither are Hebrews condemned for their ignorance of Jesus, if doing the things of Moses they do not hate the one they have not recognized, nor again are the ones from the nations condemned, who, because of the revealer, have not recognized Moses, if they do the things spoken through Jesus and do not hate the ones that have not recognized. Now, we'll leave the remainder of that quote for the next episode, but that is truly an amazing statement. Why? Because it emphasizes the view of the Clementine homilies that recognizes the legitimacy of continued Jewish existence 
independent of a direct acceptance of the messianic claims that are ascribed to Jesus. It explains the rationale why Jews did not accept for the most part the messianic claims of Jesus and why non-Jews seem to have a uh, an issue with the observance of the Torah and it sort of lays the groundwork for a successful interaction between the two. That is to say that neither side should hate the other uh, or the other aspect of what they, uh, the other group believes in. And so I think that's a phenomenal uh, perspective. Uh, Jews are not to hate Jesus and non-Jews are not to hate Mo Moses uh, because of course each one of them represents these two aspects of God's revelation for humanity in the minds of the homilies. And this is truly amazing because what we find in many ways is a very tolerant perspective that is in many ways revolutionary and i think you could say it's very progressive very modern in many ways um, and it stands against the perspectives of the emerging church certainly in the third and fourth centuries who did not see continued jewish existence as viable uh, as having any meaning except to show from their perspective that the Jewish people had been rejected for rejecting the teachings of the church. So we have a very radical perspective on the part of the Clementine homilies, uh, not simply in relation to the fact that non-Jews should keep some aspects of the Torah, but also they should have different perspectives on Jews who do not necessarily embrace the same ideas they do regarding the true prophet.